hikoi are still a really important tool, um, but one of the things that's become difficult um, since 2004, really, is that they take up so much of people's time and energy and resources um, that, yeah, really they need to be thought through carefully before they're deployed, if you like, um, that they are still a really symbolic tool and a, you know, a tool that's been effective in the past, um, but there are also other protest tools that people are using that are possibly more effective now. The public can feel oversaturated by them. It's not just the public, it's also Māori communities. You know, the practicalities of having to provide food for people and host them. You know, of course, people always want to look after their manuhiri, people coming through, and often Māori communities you know, want to support the same kaupapa. Um, so I think organisers do need to be careful um, when they're planning a hikoi that they consider the resources that they will inevitably use up of, you know, communities hosting them and, and supporting them. Um, so, yeah, I think it's both the general public and Māori that need to be considered when planning hikoi. It still is a, a good tool to raise awareness in smaller towns in particular, I think, where some of these issues um, might not often be considered on a daily basis, um, but in the biggest cities, um, yeah. And it's a visible thing too, Maria. Mm. You know, as people are walking through a, through a town or on on roads and... They're carrying flags. I mean, that piques somebody's interest, right? Yeah, it does. Um, and then you've got to be um, sure that you can follow up with some further information um, and information that people can easily digest. Um, you know, if it's about deep-sea oil drilling, we've had quite a lot about that from different political parties and um, Greenpeace and so on. So it's easier, I think, for people to understand, yes, there are huge risks involved in that kind of activity. So what are some of the other protest tools available? Well, I think a lot of hapu and iwi are um, looking more long-term in, in terms of the ways in which they're protesting. So, for example, developing micro-hydro at their own marae, um, as we have, if, I, if you don't mind me saying, Ngāti Kia, Ngāti Tuara and Te Arua, we have our own micro-hydro, and I think those are... In many ways, you know, that's generating electricity for our own marae. That's about a much longer-term protest against the current way in which electricity is, um, you know, produced and um, costed and, and so on in this country. It's about being more self-sufficient. So I think a lot of the projects that hapu and iwi have, hapu in particular, around being self-sufficient are actually you know, protests against the status quo. Um, they're a step towards doing things differently and, um, you know, in a positive way. So a protest doesn't necessarily have to involve waving a flag and uh, shouting out slogans? No, it doesn't. There's lots of, again, but it's a, it's a time frame thing. Sometimes there are matters that are so urgent that, you know, even if you've developed your micro-hydro, that's not going to help. You have, to, you have to get out with a placard or, um, you know, um, your loud hailer and, and shout some things to try and get your message across because sometimes matters are so pressing. Um, but in terms of the long-term, a long-term um, game plan, if you like, I think hapu uh, are much more involved in, you know, planting, riparian planting, you know, trying to stake out where we have mana whenua, um, on beaches and rivers and so on. That's a much longer-term protest strategy. But perhaps people feel this is the only way they can make their concerns heard. And a hikoi. Mm. Well, I mean, again, sometimes there are matters that are 
so pressing, the Crown just races ahead with something. Um, so like, if we look at the foreshore and seabed? If we look at the foreshore and seabed, yep, that was one of those times. Um, the Crown had had plenty of time to develop a, a calm and just and fair strategy um, for dealing with that issue, and they didn't. Um, so Māori had to get out, um, and, um, and Māori and non-Māori had to get out and um, have their voices heard because they weren't being heard in any other way, not through the courts, not through the submission process in Parliament, uh, you know, the usual tools of democracy, um, those weren't working, um, and hence that huge hikoi um, to Parliament. So, Maria, do you think that Māori approaches to protest are developing? I think there's always been a diversity of um, types of protest. Um, it's just over the years, at different times, we've focused on a, a different uh, kind of ways of doing things. I think there have always been hapu and iwi with long-term protest strategies um, and uh, more short-term ones. It's just kind of what we're emphasising at different points. Because, I mean, you get the Māori responses to things, but then you also get a media response to Māori responses to things. Yeah, um, <laughs> you do. Uh, I mean, Sue Abel and Joe Smith have done a lot of research about, you know, the coverage of uh, Māori at Waitangi Day, you know, Waitangi Day in particular. And um, I think the media uh, has come a long way in many senses, um, but there is still a tendency um, for that standard, um, you know, story format that it's a beautiful day, oh, here come the Māori people disrupting it. Um, and luckily, you know, at the end of the day, some people still had a good time. You know, there's still a, a, tr a kind of traditional format to reporting Māori issues, um, which still needs to, needs to be changed. And how do you think that has an impact on relationships within the country? Well, because Pākehā and, or non-Māori and other places in the, in the country, uh, you know, digest what, what they receive on One News, Three News and, and so on, um, and um, formulate their ideas and their perceptions about Māori people from that. Um, and so if we have, you know, better reporting, reporting that's um, encouraging positive race relations rather than trying to inflame people's racism... Um, then you know things would be on a better track. So one of the the um, the developments that I can see here in the in the university is that every year we have um, non Māori students who are keen to support Māori and they want to know how they can work as allies. You know there was a, a bit of a hiccup, if you like to call it that, back in 2007 with the terror raids. Um, you know a lot of Māori and Pākehā. Um, sort of went separate ways in the activist community. But in the last couple of years, there's been um, a resurgence of uh, Pākehā, non-Māori, interested in how they can support Māori, how they can work as allies, not overstep the mark and speak for Māori, but um, support Māori from behind, listen to Māori people um, and, um, and work like that. So that's really heartening to see. And you're seeing that coming through the university system as well? Yeah, yep. So, I mean, the only hope is that we can, you know, um, work with those people um, and, um, and try and, I don't know, change, change the country. <laughs> now, how relevant is Waitangi Day to you, Maria Barge? Uh, well, I mean, it's always a reminder. It is a good time to um, think back, you know, in this case, 10 years ago, what were we doing? Um, sadly, I think often for me it's a reminder of, um, how how far we've come and how 
far the crown still has to go. Um, for our hapū Ngāti Kia Ngāti Tuara, we, as I said before, we have you know we have a micro hydro. We're really interested in sustainable development and and looking after our own people. But we also have to fend off um, a gold mining block offer that the crown has put for the entire Topol volcanic zone. So my 87 year old koro has been out on the farm putting you know hammering and nailing and putting up posts for a no gold mining sign. Um, so you know we try we as Maori try and move on, try and do positive things for the planet, uh, for our people and for New Zealand, and we continue to be hindered uh, by the government uh, pursuing a really wonky um, way in the world, um, you know, economically and politically. And these are the little battles that people aren't even aware of. Yeah, that's right. And that your little hapu is struggling against. Yeah, but so Waitangi is a good time, I think, to reflect about all the other... Um, battles that other hapu and iwi have um, and to think about how we can work together as always. Unity is going to be a better path than, um, than doing things completely separately. Um, and yeah, think about um, all the exciting things that hapu are doing and that's what, what should be encouraging for us all.